thought I'd try something new, you know, some filler space for the the sound that'll eventually be in the beginning intro. Welcome to the Crow's Nest. This is your host, Tyler Holmes. It won't usually be just me on Wednesdays, but I decided to give you a little episode um, kind of on the spot. I wasn't planning to do it, but after I recorded the segment that'll normally be on Wednesdays with my co-host Lee, and that one is posting next week, I decided to give you a little something extra. You deserve to not have to wait. We wait for too many darn things. And honestly, this week was a little bit of a shit show, and I need to vent about it. So as you know, or maybe you don't, I've been on medical leave from my career because of some chronic issues that turned um, acute. I have POTS, EDS, MCAS, chronic Lyme, and now Eagle Syndrome, which has caused gastroparesis. So now I guess I'm one of those cute e-girls with tummy problems and too many squishmallows. There's nothing wrong with a little comfort and going back to who you would have thought was cool in your high school days. Well, I was having a bit of a flare-up with my issues in general, and it was causing me, I guess, anxiety, because that's what they put on my hospital record, but I did not feel like I could breathe. My hands were numb. I couldn't think straight. Like, I went back and watched my ring camera videos of myself. I don't remember any of it. I do not remember even getting to the hospital, but somehow I arrived, and I immediately got put on a bunch of different, like, heart monitor things, and the blood pressure machine and everything. I had just thrown up everything I ate that day, which was one meal because it sat in my stomach the whole day because my stomach doesn't digest food properly. So I can eat something and six hours later throw it up and it looks like I just chewed it. Way too much information and I am so sorry for those of you who are queasy and nothing else in this episode will be about that. Needless to say, when I got there, they of course ask you a million questions. They have my records at that hospital, even though I switched my care to another hospital because of how horrible this one is, honestly, not just to me, but to everybody. I even got a staph infection there after my last surgery, and when I went in to tell the surgeon that my belly button looked really gross and I was in a lot of pain and had a fever, he he wrote in my chart that I did not have pain in my abdomen. He didn't even look at my belly button. He just said that it was fine and healing. So he wrote that everything was fine in my aftercare summary. I went over to another hospital and they immediately knew something was wrong. I was super dehydrated on top of that because I just couldn't keep anything down because I was so sick. And they um, got an IV in me, got antibiotics in me and tested the infection. And it was a staph infection in my belly button where the incision was for the laparoscopic surgery. So back to the story, this hospital is not the best and it's the only major hospital within like an hour and a half of where the house I own is. But I've been traveling two to four hours depending on which specialist I need to see to the Mayo Clinic so that I can actually get good care for what I'm experiencing and my chronic illnesses. 
Well, they come back hours later in the ER and tell me that my potassium levels are really low and that's what's causing all the problems and I just need to eat bananas. They refused to give me an IV because I said, okay, I can't keep anything down. The smell of bananas is disgusting to me. I can sometimes manage to take to eat it if it's like not at all brown, has no smell to it, and I can eat it, but it doesn't mean it's going to stay down. Uh, I can almost guarantee it's not. And on top of that, the drinks I've been having throughout the day have a lot of potassium in them. So I don't think my body is absorbing it correctly. So I asked them if they could give me a potassium IV drip, which I know is painful. I've had them before and I didn't care. I just wanted to feel better. And they said, no, your problems are chronic. We don't treat chronic problems here in the ER. We only treat new problems. And since this is not a new problem for you, which mind you, the potassium deficiency is a new problem, but they're saying that it's related to the gastroparesis, which in my chart, he said was just GERD, which is not the same thing as gastroparesis at all. It can cause GERD. It can cause acid reflux. It is not acid reflux. It is my stomach literally not digesting food. It just sits there in my stomach and either very, very slowly digests or doesn't digest at all. And then later on, I'm sick. So they look at me and they say, okay, well, other people have it worse than you. Then the nurse sits down with me and tells me the story about her brother-in-law, I believe, who has blood cancer and how he's surviving and he's pushing through for his kids and his family. And so therefore I can do it too. I tell her that that is not empathetic. That is not a way to talk to a patient that is upset and wanting an IV, which you should give them. And that's not pain medicine. That is not anything horrible. I already had an IV like line in my arm but they would not give me an IV because they said that they didn't want to treat me since I'm chronic. And if you know anything about people with chronic conditions that are both painful and make you sick, they flare up and you need help. And that flare up is worse than that person in the next room with the flu, okay? It is worse. That pain is horrible. I have new tens on the pain scale that I didn't think existed over the last two months. And I'm not even asking for pain medicine. I'm asking for an IV, which I feel like is a normal thing to ask for. And fluids do make people feel better. And with and he tried to tell me I wasn't dehydrated. They didn't do any tests to determine that. I looked through all my tests and he wrote in the chart, I do not believe she's dehydrated and she does not look malnourished. Excuse me? Yes, I understand my weight has stayed the same. But it's all like fluid retention, and that is also a sign of dehydration. Needless to say, I wasn't the most kind patient after that, and I don't usually get upset at people. I don't usually yell at people, especially when it's about me. If it's about my kids, yeah, I can get upset. But if it's about me, I don't usually get upset, and I yelled, and I pulled my leads out because they told me to leave. They were still on me. And I pulled them out because I'm like, okay, you're telling me to leave. You're trying to push me out the door and I still have everything attached to me and you're not even going to help me. And you guys are ridiculous. Like this is horrible and it's not empathetic. It's like you understand, like you see my records, you know that I have these chronic conditions, you know, the struggles that I've been through, the surgeries that I've had, you have it all right there in your records. And yet you're sitting there telling me 
just to hang in there and wait for for my specialists and wait for everything and not come into the ER and not get any help and not get IV fluids. And the thing is, if there was even a service in this town that they could come to me and I could pay out of pocket for IV fluids, I would do it because it's something that I feel like my body needs because I am not absorbing anything. Like all the things that are in the supplements that I've been taking, the drinks, um, and everything, I'm deficient in them. Those vitamins, I'm deficient in them. So I'm not absorbing them correctly. And I'm trying to explain this to them. And they're the only hospital like in the area. And I don't know what to do besides lay in bed and feel miserable. And then they tell me, well, don't be miserable. Just focus on something that makes you happy. Okay, so here I am talking to you. It makes me happy to be able to do this, to do the podcast. Um, And so I'm following their advice. So if the Dr. Gerber is listening to this, um, here I am. So if you have people in your life with chronic conditions, please just listen to them. Tell them that they're valid. Don't tell them that other people have it worse because you really don't know. You don't know what they're going through and you don't know what the physical aspects are causing mentally for them because I did not have depression before. I did not have depression. I had anxiety and now I have depression and it has everything to do with the constant pain, fatigue, dizziness, not being able to take care of myself well. Um, It has everything to do with all of that. So yay. Now before I forget, There is a new Patreon that joined the page just a few days ago, and they're at the top tier, which is my full-fledged accomplices, and their name is John Ricketts, and I am so thankful for you. What you have pledged to the podcast is going to go a long way, and I'm going to be able to order my arm for my uh microphone here shortly as well as an actual desk for my laptop so I'm not just sitting here crisscross applesauce on my bed making podcasts for you guys even though it feels kind of intimate and nice to do so my legs fall asleep now I want to remind you all that you make this possible listening giving five-star reviews commenting on episodes if it's available on the platform that you're on and just being here and supporting and sharing with whoever you think would like to listen. Now I want to get into a story that has happened to me on more than one occasion and I know has happened to others. I do a lot of driving from state to state, both for work, for pleasure. I like road trips. I like trips in general and seeing new things. Well, on several of these trips while driving and typically in the middle of the night, I will see a figure on the side of the road, and it's usually a woman. And it's usually a woman in either a white, gray, or red dress. And it's happened more than three times, because I've seen all three of those. And I'll either stop, or I'll look in the rearview mirror, and all of a sudden, she's gone. She's nowhere to be seen. And there are so many different, I guess theories of who the woman in white, the gray lady, and the woman in red are. And typically it's between a bride that didn't make it to her wedding day, a woman who has been killed by a lover, 
uh, somebody who was brutally attacked and usually they're women who seem to have met their end in a really horrible way and usually at the hands of who they love and they either show themselves to men who have done the same to others or they show themselves to women in kind of a solidarity of a woman who is going through a similar thing and trying to protect them or show them a sign to leave that situation sometimes they'll appear in the back of a car and then disappear Sometimes they'll be dancing with you and you'll go to take them home and then they're gone. There's many different stories of what happens with these women. And if you have any that you've gone through, please feel free to write me about those. But one night while I was driving, I was on the phone with somebody and we were in the middle of a fight and I knew, I knew this situation was dangerous. I knew that it was bad. I knew he was abusive, and for some reason I couldn't shake this person. I would beg and plea and apologize, even though I knew that I was not in the wrong, that I was owed the things that I was giving this person, and that they did nothing to deserve me being the one to come to them and beg them to be with me. It really should have been the other way around. And this night in particular, I had found out that this person had lied to me, They had lied to me about a lot of different things and had picked fights with me in order for me to not find out about them because then they could go and have an excuse to be out and not answer my phone calls or texts. I found out that I was the other woman. I found out that the whole year we were together, I was the other woman. And I will tell that whole story on another podcast because it is insanity. How mind-fucked. I was in that relationship and how much I should have been able to feel safe with that person. But I found out about this and I was on the phone with him and talking to him and begging him for an answer for a reason why this was wrong, why the other woman was lying to me. And he had none. He just said that I should just trust him and believe him because of who he was. (laughs) And who he was is somebody who was manipulative, abusive, and narcissistic. Somebody whose ego was above anything else and needed two hours to get ready to go anywhere when I could just throw shit on. Because if I tried too hard, I was trying to impress people and that must mean I'm cheating. Well, all this was going through my head and I was on the phone and begging him like, just to tell me like, that this isn't true. And he was telling me it wasn't true, but for basically saying I'm crazy and that I'm at fault for believing this other person. And all of a sudden I see this woman like looking in distress on the side of the road. And so I pull past her and I get out of the car and I still see her and I'm like shouting to her like, hey, can I help you? Do you need me to call the police? Do you need to use my phone? What's going on? She had no shoes on, was in a long gray dress. And she turns, looks at me, and it's like in the movies, like just slowly vanishes. And I feel like I'm insane. And I just start, I don't know, like I I was in shock, absolute shock. And he was on the phone in the car. um, Like I could hear his voice yelling through the phone, even though I couldn't understand what he was saying. I get back in the car 
And I tell him I have to go. I hang up, and he calls over and over and over again. But while he's calling, I'm looking something up. I'm looking up this woman in gray dress disappearing, and I see the same story over and over and over and over again. And many times, if it's a woman, it's in the middle of a heartbreak, in the middle of questioning herself and being gaslit. And I feel validated in that. I feel like this is a sign and I really need to end this. And I did that day. Never saw him in person again. And deleted his number, blocked him, picked up my stuff from his house and was done. I had somebody come and help me get it. And he wasn't there when I did. And I was completely done. And I was proud of myself. And honestly, she helped me do that because I probably could have talked him into staying with me because that other woman was done too. Uh, She was very done. And with her out and me out, he had no one. And from what I heard from other people, he drowned his sorrows in whiskey and he dated again and whatever. And he probably hurt other people. But he felt like he was the victim and he was wronged because we both found out and we should have just kept our mouths shut, listened to him and not had social media like he wanted us both to not have. But I want to thank that lady in gray. I want to thank her for helping me realize, taking me out of the situation for a moment and having me focus on something other than that conversation and trying to turn it around to me being the be- the problem, me apologizing, and kind of forcing my hand into this space of just separating myself from that problem to be able to see it more clearly. Because I did. After that, I did see it more clearly. And I was able to be strong. And I was able to know a little bit more of my worth. It did take a lot longer for me to see more of that. but And it's still a struggle. But I was able to really just see the situation almost from her perspective instead of my own. And this was on the 101 coming up through Encinitas in California that I saw her. And I don't know. I mean, if anyone else has seen the same woman in that same area, I would love to hear your stories and how she presented herself to you. And if you are going through something similar, it doesn't have to be him having another woman or you being the other woman. If you're going through something and you're in a relationship with someone who makes you feel like you're constantly having to apologize for things when they're the one who hurt you and you find yourself begging them to stay, I really, really, really want you to reach out to somebody, someone you don't know even like on the internet and just tell them everything. Just be able to vent to them. You can do it anonymously. There's a lot of groups that you can post in on Facebook anonymously and just tell them what's going on and sift through those feelings, sift through those thoughts and the facts and be able to figure out that you are not the problem. It isn't you. If it wasn't you in that relationship, you'd be doing the same thing to someone else and you deserve to not have to question that relationship question whether or not someone's going to leave you at the drop of a hat if you find out they did something to you you deserve to feel stable in your relationship to feel loved and cherished and respected and communicated with oh my god communication is like the pillar 
of any relationship, whether romantic, family, work, friendship, otherwise, and communicating boundaries and respecting them both ways, being able to talk and just tell each other what's going on. If you're running late, communicating that, all the little things add up as well as the big things. And if they can't communicate those little things to you, I guarantee they're not communicating those big ones. And if you are someone who does struggle with communicating, I highly recommend doing some exercises of different ways of communicating, whether it be writing, um, talking, setting time aside specifically for communication, where you know that you will have the floor and be able to talk. If you've been the one dropping the ball on communication and you know that, you have hope. There's ways to change it. I got found myself in a space of not communicating, barely talking, not knowing what to say because I didn't want to make a previous partner angry, which carried over into new relationships that I wasn't communicating in, and it caused a lot of problems. And so it can go both ways. It could be the person who was abused as well as the abuser that are not communicating. And so just reevaluating, and we can all be better communicators and better listeners and have better back and forth with the people around us. And so I really highly recommend just diving into yourself, different things that you can do to be better for yourself and others. Sorry, I'm always giving homework on here, which you don't really know that yet because um, this is the second episode, even though it's the seventh one I'm recording. <laughs> so I'm going a little back in time here to, to post this so that you have a episode here in the middle uh, between my Monday and Friday episodes. But starting next week, I will have a co-host or guests on my Wednesday episodes. All right, let's dive into something a little lighter. Some weird news, mind you. So I play Magic the Gathering, and I played way back when, and I just started playing Commander pretty recently. And I'm not the best at it. I'm still getting the hang of it, and making decks is still hard. But so this singer... Post Malone looks exactly like one of my exes, not the one I was talking about, but another one. And we used to get stopped all the time because people thought he was Post Malone and he loved it. Well, Post Malone paid $800,000 for one single magic card, the one ring card valued as high as $2 million. Did you, did you hear that? Two million dollar card. I struggle paying three dollars for one card. I struggle paying 25 cents for one card. I don't want to buy individual cards. It just, it's hard. It's hard. And that's why my decks aren't the best. But I mean, if you have that much money, why not spend more than the amount most people do on a house on a single card? Do you, like, insure it? Do you put it on your homeowner's insurance that you have this Magic the Gathering card worth $2 million? How do you do that? And one more happy news article. I mean, I don't know if it's happy for the people who live there, but it's definitely hoppy. There's a suburban area in Florida where somebody released their own pet lionhead rabbits into the community. And now they are overrun by rabbits two years later. Now, where I live in Minnesota, the rabbits only breed for a short period of time because of the weather. 
So when it's really cold, they kind of hibernate and then they breed during the spring and summer and then fall and winter, they kind of go away. But in Florida, it's warm all year, so they never stopped breeding. Now, according to the NPR article, I'll read this to you. The furry invasion has divided the neighborhood's residents. Some have allegedly threatened to shoot the animals or feed them to their snakes. Some want to let the bunnies roam free. Others, concerned about the rabbit's safety, are racing to raise money to save them. The East Coast Rabbit Rescue, a nonprofit organization, is spearheading an effort to rescue and rehome the bunnies. The group managed to rescue 19 rabbits on Friday, three of which are pregnant. The volunteer-run outfit began rounding up the rabbits after partnering with city police to complete the mission. The big challenge in trapping the rabbits has been the residents, says ECRR President Monica Mitchell. Our hope has, was to rescue up to 45. That was our goal yesterday, she said on Saturday, but unfortunately we encountered a lot of issues there because the residents were so hostile, some residents didn't want us to take the bunnies. An officer from the Wilton Manor Police Department was present during the mission to provide protection, but Mitchell is asking the police to do more. The city needs to approach the residents in a different way, she said and say hey you guys need to allow the rescue to come and get the rest of the bunnies they haven't done that the lion's head rabbits are a fluffier species noted for their thick mane or double mane or full mane circle the head um, aren't built for suburban florida mitchell says the animals which are prone to heat stroke she says have been digging holes in the ground to escape the oppressive heat to the irritation of some residents lacking a proper source of clean water or food, the rabbits have been grazing on lawns and could be treated with toxic pesticides. The rabbits are also at the mercy of the area's predators and cars. The West Palm Beach-based group says it's, um, it will need at least $40,000 to be able to capture, neuter, spay, vaccinate, and microchip the over 100 rabbits and counting. So far, it's raised over half of that goal. The WMPD has not yet <laughs> committed funds towards the effort, a spokeswoman told NPR. The costs are quickly adding up, Mitchell says. Care for each rabbit costs between $200 and $300 and says not including any extra medical attention, she says several bunnies needed. Oh my god. Can you imagine? Like they won't even have programs for people to spay and neuter their and like their pets, but they're going to pay two hundred to three hundred dollars a rabbit to spay, neuter, vaccinate, and microchip them. And then what are they going to do with them? Sell them to people or release them back neutered and spayed? I, I don't know. Um, interesting concept. I'm shocked that people can raise money for things like this. But um, I'm glad people are out there saving the bunnies. Spay and neuter your pets, people. We're not breeders. I want to say thank you to everybody who has supported me, has shared uh, my podcast, has enjoyed my content everywhere. Um, I am 
very thankful for the base that I have that has surrounded me because without all of you, I would not be able to even do this. And I am excited. This is not my normal episode. Uh, This is definitely me just venting and talking to you um, as a little bit of a a change of pace for me for just this week because I don't have my Wednesday co-host episode ready this week. But next week it is arriving and I'm so excited. I finished editing it. I have it ready to go and it'll be posted on next Monday for Patreon and it'll be posted on Wednesday everywhere else. And that's my Frightening Frowin series. So it's women who are terrifying, whether for good reasons or bad reasons. And I tell the stories to Lee, my co-host. And if she's not able to attend on a week, it'll be um, my guest telling a story to me. And it'll be a little change of pace on those weeks as well. I am so, so, so thankful for you. Um, If you do want to join my Patreon, it does help support this podcast. If you do want to give a five-star review um, on anywhere that you are listening to this podcast, that would help me out a lot. Um, I got monetized based on unique listeners, so sharing the podcast if you think it's worth sharing. And yeah, I really, really appreciate you. It's hard to be isolated and alone, and this makes me feel like I have a community and a voice again. I'll leave the email in the description box if you have any of your own stories you want me to tell, or if you think you'd make a great guest on the Frightening Frauen series and you could tell your own story or the story of somebody close to you. I really appreciate you, and I look forward to the rest of our time together. All right, Crow out.